You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Hello, and welcome to this edition of the FDNY Pro Podcast. My name is Brian Mulry. I'm a battalion chief in the 27 Battalion in the Bronx. I'm here today with our guest, Deputy Chief Joe Jardin. He's been the acting chief of safety since March. He's been with the department since 1985 and has been working with the safety command since last June. Welcome, Joe. Hey, good to be here, Brian. You know, we have a wide audience for this podcast. So for some of our listeners who don't know, maybe you could give a brief overview of the safety command and its main responsibilities. Sure, I'd be glad to. The safety command reports to the chief of department. The safety command's moniker is protecting those that serve. The safety command is comprised of a number of units. The most noticeable for our members is the on-duty safety battalion. And the role of the safety battalion on the scene of a fire is to provide for the health and safety of the membership operating at the scene. They're there simply to have a bigger picture view of safety issues threatening the membership. But also part of the safety command is a number of other units that are less well known, but certainly important. None of the least is the research and development unit. We have a 12-person research and development team headed by a battalion chief whose role is to oversee the pilot testing and evaluation of new equipment, and systems that are being proposed to be brought into the FDNY for use. We have a handy talkie recording unit. Uh, We have the technology within the FDNY to record handy talkie transmissions at the scene of operations. And so that unit is responsible for the collection of and then eventual distribution of uh, handy talkie recordings for investigation and training purposes. The safety battalion is in the process of a transition, which is kind of why we're here today to talk about rehabilitation and care and contamination reduction. Part of that transition will see the safety command assuming responsibility for the rehabilitation and care units, which are currently part of the Special Operations Command. And Joe, for our listeners that don't know, could you explain what the RAC units are? Sure. RAC stands for Rehabilitation and Care. The RAC unit as a resource within the FDNY has been around for more than a couple decades. Those units are responsible for the on-scene hydration and other rehabilitation needs of our operating forces as well. They become part of a rehabilitation sector along with EMS resources to look after the health of our members who are or have operated the scene of fires and emergencies. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more as we go on, but let's get started with your first initiative as the Chief of Safety, reducing exposure to fire ground contaminants. Sure, so glad to talk about this. It's certainly been a front and center topic, not only within the FDNY, but within the universe of the fire fire service for the last couple of years. I started with safety back in June of uh, 17, and I went to work for uh, the then Chief of Safety, Paul Cressy. He asked me to put the issue of fire service occupational cancer on the radar and start to do a deeper dive into where we are as an organization in terms of dealing with that risk as well. What should we do going forward? And I was certainly glad to hear him offer me that opportunity in that Literally a week or two before, I had attended a conference called the Metro Fire Chiefs Conference in Orlando, which is a forum for chief fire officers from some of the largest 
fire departments in the world, really. And the core topic at that conference was cancer in the fire service. It was apparent that there did indeed exist a real threat. While I hadn't had the specifics totally of the uh, relative nature of that threat, it was clear that the fire service was dealing with something of epidemic proportions in terms of the cancer risk. So the chief of safety has a weekly meeting with the chief of department. One of the first meetings I attended with Chief Cressy with the chief of department, we briefed him on this beginning effort to look at cancer risk reduction and what the FDNY needs to do or should do and the direction maybe it should go. The chief right from the get-go was very supportive and in fact suggested that there's probably a linkage between what we could and should do in terms of cancer risk reduction and our rehabilitation and care program. So where we went from there was the creation of a contamination reduction work group. That work group, chaired by Battalion Chief Frank Lieb from Battalion 4-6, was comprised of stakeholders from across the department. We were able to bring in BHS. We had the uh, UFA, the UFOA involved. We had various representatives from operations, including hazmat operations, including the decon support unit, which is part of hazmat operations. Of course, the safety command was represented as well. We had representatives from EMS operations as well as physicians from EMS. Our EMS colleagues treat and care for the firefighters on scene and following operations and emergencies, as well as the civilian workforce, mechanics and radio shops employees and facilities people who come in contact with our quarters and our apparatus and our gear and equipment. We got a fire marshal to sit on the work group, so I think we had a broad representation of our organization. We wanted to include as many facets of the organization as we could. Okay, so that's who's in the work group. Maybe you could tell us more about what were their objectives? What did you specifically task them with? They were given sort of a scope purpose, you might say, and an objective to first define where we were as an organization in meeting the so-called determined best practices with respect to contamination reduction. And then based on that understanding, move us forward to meet other identified best practices. And if possible, let's work to innovate and develop practices that we consider best practices and can share with the rest of the firefighting community. So what the work group did initially was certainly confirm the threat to us based on the research efforts that are out there. And without getting into specifics, there is agreement, there is consensus that we are at risk. So based on those statistics, the work group went to work. Not only was there research on our relative threat, but there was also plenty of work that had been done in the recent past regarding how to fight that threat, so to speak. And there were uh, numbers of varied best practices that have evolved from the research. So we looked at where we were relative to many of those suggestions. We relied heavily on a, a great brochure put out by the state of Washington, firefighters called Healthy In, Healthy Out. And what we found out is we really are positioned very well. We have a great foundation to build on when it comes to dealing with fire service occupational cancer threats. Let me just go through a list of things that we discovered that we already do that are considered best practices. Each firefighter in the FDNY is issued two sets of PPE, which is an identified best practices. So if one gets dirty, it can be cleaned and they can use the clean set. 
We have annual medicals for years that we take for granted, but is not a given practice in many fire departments. We have the diesel exhaust capture systems in our firehouses, otherwise known as Niederman systems. Each firefighter is issued a PPE transport bag. So if that firefighter goes on a detail to another location, a different firehouse or detail to training, he or she can package his or her gear in a safe manner to limit the cross-contamination that might be affiliated with that. Our rehabilitation and care units, we've had those for, like I said, well over uh, 20 years at this point. We do get our firefighting ensembles cleaned annually. We have a uh, contract with a service provider to get our PPE cleaned. We have the decon support unit, which we can internally clean gear that gets contaminated in one way or another in between the annual cleaning. And most importantly, for years, we've had a vigorous SCBA use policy. Each member has his or her individual face piece. And so that's the cornerstone of our really our contamination reduction uh, efforts is the vigorous oversight and use of our SCBAs. Can you tell us more about the on-scene medical monitoring and decon? I saw you mention it in your WNYF article in the first issue of 2018. Uh, I was just curious what that meant for our members in the field. So as part of the rehabilitation sector right now, second alarms are greater. We stand up a rehabilitation sector. So that rehabilitation sector will the rack unit, mostly related to providing hydration to the operating members. But part of that is an EMS component where units that have operated will be sent to rehab so that they can be looked at by either an EMT or paramedic to judge their well-being based on a look. But also part of that is they get their CO and O2 levels checked. And if they're out of range with either, they become patients. So that's to make sure that we treat their immediate potential medical needs on scene. If they're okay, they just go back to complete their rehab process and go back to work. I see also in the article, enhanced SCBA use throughout operations, including overhaul. We're going to look to ensure that we build appropriate awareness and provide the necessary education to ensure that our members do indeed use the mask as intended from the start of operations throughout the completion of overhaul. And the proof is in the numbers, right? That, geez, if, if you're not using your mask through uh, completion of overhaul throughout yeah. the whole operation, you're setting yourself up for, yeah, some potential health threats in the future. One of the things I didn't mention as part of the mission of safety is that while we're there to protect those that serve, we're looking for not only the immediate protection on scene and dealing with the immediate noticeable, recognizable threats such as collapse or fire extension exposure to certain elements, but the long-term threats such as cancer and other health threats that can result from exposure to the toxins in the smoke and in the atmosphere. Yeah, well, it is the department's job to give policy that protects its members, and the fruits of this effort might not be evident for years to come. Well, and we're working on how do we measure, right? How do we measure success? Because we know not going to be during the rest of my career, right? This is going to be long-term. And I think it's a challenge beyond those of us in the FDNY. I'm sure the fire service at large is wrestling with how do we measure the impact. You've touched on steps that you've already taken to help protect members. Where are areas where you see the opportunity to do even more? So like I said, I think we have a good foundation in place. So we're going to look to build on that. We're going to look to enhance our rehabilitation and care 
services. Currently, we have five rehabilitation and care units distributed citywide. We're going to do some unit reallocation and add a sixth RAC unit. So we're going to have much better coverage going forward. We're going to up the staffing of our RAC units from one to two firefighters. A constraint right now is the ability of the rack unit to get somewhat close to the scene of operations right. um, because they're generally getting there after the first, if not second alarm units, if that fire goes to a second alarm rapidly. So challenges, especially think of, think of one of those right, hot days where you've operated, it's 95 degrees and you come out dripping and last thing you want to do is walk two and a half blocks to find the rack unit to get a drink. So our hope is to, by upstaffing our rack units, be able to establish a so-called forward rack near the point of operation. So we'll get the much needed resources closer to where the members are, make their world a little easier. We're also gonna, where in the past we've initiated the implementation of the rehab sector, which included the medical monitoring we spoke of on second alarms or greater, that's gonna start on the transmission of the all hands. We're gonna expect our incident commanders to set up rehabilitation and work with EMS to evaluate our members' health and well-being at every fire, right? We know our first alarm units are as exposed and challenged physically at one alarm fires as, right, a complement of units at a second or third or a fourth. Yeah, maybe more so. Right, sometimes. and maybe more so. So um, that's another change we're going to implement going forward. To help coordinate this, we're going to staff something that hadn't existed before, a rehabilitation manager position, also known as the rack battalion. So on second alarms or greater, a rack battalion will respond to take the rehabilitation and care efforts off the incident commander's plate, right? So that'll be a battalion chief that will get there, will be able to make sure that our EMS resources are co-located appropriately with our rehabilitation and care resources and ensure that we have the appropriate companies who operated that fire go through the rehab process. So you come out, the officer will go to the command post, the incident commander will put that unit in a rehab status, the company will go to rehab, given an opportunity to get all their gear off so they can start cooling down. When they get their gear off, hopefully put it in an area that will allow that gear to off-gas. We know that through, again, research, that PPE, when exposed to all the toxics and the carcinogen-related um, byproducts of combustion, it's, it's going to take a while to off-gas, yeah. 20 to 30 minutes maybe after being exposed. So get that stuff off, let it off-gas. We're going to give them access to cleansing wipes so they can clean their face, their neck, any skin surfaces, get their hands clean, right? Because inevitably they're going to touch their gloves or something, right? So we want their skin to be cleaned. They'll have access to that hydration. And then they're going to go to an EMS crew. They'll get looked at. Mm -hmm. Once they're done with that, they'll get medically monitored, the CO, the O2 levels. Once they're through the rehab process, they'll go back to the incident commander or the rehab sector manager. And when they're done, they're done. They leave the scene. We're going to have them go back to quarters, take a shower. Again, it's important to be clean, right? Those are some best practices we're going to look to implement. What's going to give us an opportunity to help manage that rehabilitation process 
is an application developed by one of our deputy chiefs in concert with our IT folks in the organization, something called the Incident Command app. And that Incident Command app is a mobile tablet application that allows our deputy chiefs and hire, supported by the field communications unit, to track fire resources on the scene. But for the rehabilitation process, they're going to develop a function that will allow the assigned EMS unit to track the rehabilitation process. So once a incident commander puts a unit in the rehab status, the EMS unit will see that they have some customers on the way. When they show up, they'll be able to get a roster and go through the process of giving a check, measuring their uh, O2CO levels. Presumably they're good, and they'll be sent back to incident command to be released from the scene. Large undertaking, but with the technology, it creates so many new opportunities. It's really uh, it's exciting. So, so another initiative related to this, um, we're making a push for more regular cleaning of our PPE. As I mentioned earlier, we're required by NFPA 1851 to ensure that each set of each member's gear is cleaned once per year. However, that might not be enough based upon exposure to, again, the toxic environment. So the work group has revised several of our policies and procedures, and one of which was a form and a procedure relative to cleaning of contaminated personal protective equipment. Historically, the membership has used a form to notify and coordinate the cleaning of gear that's been contaminated with bloodborne pathogens or other maybe hazmat-type contaminants. However, we can use that same form, and we are going forward to get fire ground contaminated gear cleaned as well. We revised the form, revised the policy. We were able to build some awareness that you could and should use this to clean dirty gear. And sure enough, our unit, the decon support unit responsible for our internal protective equipment cleaning, they've seen a 40% increase in demand. Which is a good thing. It's starting to work. Going forward, though, our end state objective is to get a washer and dryer in every firehouse. It's somewhat of a strategic objective, so it will be be several years before we uh, achieve our goal. Yeah, well, having the availability to clean your gear, is, that would be a, a huge step forward in this, this whole initiative, I think. With all the initiatives that the department's focusing on, could you take a moment and give us some idea what a member could do to reduce their own cancer risk? Certainly. Chief among all the steps is the proper use of SCBA. From as soon as you're getting ready to enter the fire building or operate at an exterior fire till overhaul operations are complete. That's the cornerstone of any contamination reduction, maintaining our respiratory protection. Beyond that is, is being clean, right? Clean as the new salty is kind of a moniker we see out and about. So, so being clean to protect ourselves, as well as an attempt to avoid cross-contamination of other firefighters. So when you come out of the fire building, be careful in the way the gear is doffed. Take the SCBA off with your gloves on. Remove the gloves carefully, trying to avoid cross-contamination. Remove the coat carefully. Doff the bunker gear. Allow it to off-gas. So those are immediate things we can do to avoid cross-contamination of personnel, even cross-contamination of apparatus. So what else can we do? Get back to quarters. 
take a shower. We give our units rehabilitation time once they get back to quarters. If you've judged your PPE to be contaminated, bag it up, have it sent to the decon support unit for cleaning. Clean hood is, is, is an important element. We're at much greater risk for thyroid cancer, and you can see the results of tests that that's just such a target for contaminants. And members are issued multiple hoods, so there's no reason to use a dirty hood. Wash that hood as soon as possible. You can send it out with the gear as well and get it washed. So live clean, keep the quarters clean, keep the apparatus and PPE hanging in quarters. Something else we can pay attention to is limiting where we bring PPE in quarters, right? Most firehouses have really good cultures of ensuring that the bunker gear stays on the apparatus floor, right? And we avoid contaminating the living and sleeping areas. So that's an important concept. And we're going to complement our current sort of policy and procedures going forward with signage that will reinforce that so many things you've thrown out there. It's, it's really a tremendous initiative. I mean, it sounds like you have the department's backing, which is great, and obviously the union's backing. If there's any parting thoughts you'd like to share with us? Well, so this contamination reduction work group, it's going to be a standing work group continuing to look at issues. Uh, let me just mention one issue that they've kind of brought to the light recently, diesel exhaust. As I mentioned, for years we've had the uh, diesel exhaust capture systems and, again, identified as a best practice. Challenge is that the diesel exhaust capture systems are fine when they're working in the firehouse, when the apparatus matches up to where the diesel exhaust capture hoses are located. But when you're out on the fire ground, you're exposed, right, to the diesel exhaust. So we're working with facilities and the OSHA unit within FDNY to explore another technology, a diesel exhaust filter system to further filter carcinogens out of the diesel exhaust. So, so we're doing more research, right? We're gonna do a pilot test in a firehouse in Queens to see if in fact this product will perform as, as reported. And just another parting thought, we've recently retooled the Safety Command's safety messaging program. Every day, each tour, there's a safety message that is printed on the teleprinter in quarters, comes over the computer, as well, historically, has been uh, read over the voice alarm each tour. It might not have been getting heard the way we want it to get heard. So we've taken sort of the social media route and what we're doing in concert with still printing the message every tour. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a message that stays for a week. And most of our members are connected to us, the FDNY, and so we're pushing our messages out using social media. And that gives us the ability to not only share a text, but provide a graphic or some artwork that supports the theme built into that text. It seems to have gotten off the ground so far pretty well. So uh, we'll see in the future. I'm sure that like everything else, we'll fine tune it and make it better. Well, I think you covered it in depth today, Joe. Uh, we appreciate it. Good luck with this important initiative and uh, thanks for spending time with us today. Hey, thanks for having me and we're looking to do some, yeah, some positive things. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, Joe. FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there for us 
to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. Go to FDNYFoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today.